All right, I've got two questions. Hopefully, I know the answer to the first one because, you know, I've got stuff to say on the second one. Have either of you gone further into the clubhouse phenomena? <laughs> no, I'm going to continue to throw rocks at it. All right. Well, uh, I think Matt still doesn't have an iPhone, so that's he's out no uh, matter what on that, okay, right? Okay. How about you, Brandon? Uh, I can't say I've really delved any further into it. I've signed up. I've given out invites. I think I've listened to one or two sessions, but I haven't. I haven't really made it into any kind of heavy rotation, but it sounds like you yeah. have. So tell us about it. No, no, no. I've just read people have written a bunch of stuff about it. And then, you know, I listened Reading to the about audio. I listened to the <laughs> dithering podcast. So they talk about it and I feel like, I don't know. I think it's going to be a bunch of bullshit and people are just like, Oh, it's a brand new thing. Cause I, I've gone in there every now and then I'm sorry. I have a hunk of chocolate in my mouth. Let me put it in. Um, you know, I think here in the Netherlands, to hamster is to like save up and hoard on things. So, uh, often. Hamster style. Yeah, I'm being a hamster. Anyways, uh, like I log in every now and then just to see like what's going on. And thus far, it's just like people who use a bunch of emojis who are like talking about startups. Or, you know, it's like I don't, there's some other stuff, but it's kind of like, it's, I mean, it, it, ha- it has like a lot of the, uh, it's like a real South by Southwest vibe. But I think that's, that's kind of what Isn't it that mostly like. just because of the, I think those are mostly because of the people and the topics. So you have to assume, I think it's fair to assume yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that will broaden out as there's more adoption. Sure. But the sure. Missing, I, don't, I mean, I don't go look at the Taiwan clubhouse or whatever. <laughs> right. see what's going on there. But my, my question, I, I come back to it and like, I don't know if this is just how much this, this applies to me personally versus it being a good generalized feature. It would be as simple as this is like, if they just recorded everything, like I do think if they just automatically recorded every session and it was just available afterwards on demand uh, as needed, yeah, it feels yeah. like the, it would be so much more useful. And it's it's not that I don't want to listen. It's just the fact that you have to know about it beforehand, set aside time to do it. And and maybe it's just because I'm just so conditioned to podcast now. I just – I have a whole – you know, like all probably people listening to this, I have a whole bunch of things I just subscribe to. They just show up. I listen to the ones I like, and I'm, I'm quick to uh, – you know, just delete the ones I don't. And it's just, I don't, just that level. So I just feel like just that one thing, just like, yeah, just record the session or whatever, you know, the room rather. Yeah. Um, I th- but it seems like, I don't know if they feel like that goes against their like ethos. Like that's like, that's a feature as, as a feature that, that they really think is important that it isn't, you know, that you can be more, I don't know, um, more relaxed or, you know, not, yeah, like, yeah. not super professional like us where everything that we've done is highly edited and thought out and there's never any mistakes, right? So they, they're not getting to like our level of quality. They want it to be more informal than we are. So <laughs> I, um, think, I, I think oh. I, I think I think maybe what it is, this is I, I don't really follow the uh, the consumer tech world very much. I, I prefer I'm you more just of buy the, it. You're living the lifestyle, man. I'm more of the raw material for it to sell. So that's fine. <laughs> And and the the chattel, if you that's that's the wrong word, the cattle. But I think maybe, you know how in in uh, infrastructure software we're always like everyone starts off as a SaaS and then eventually they're on premise. I think there's a similar thing with consumer stuff where they start off with that very that thing that the uh, the whoever the startup thought people will tell you that you've got to like focus and narrow down on things you're not going to do, and so they go out there and they focus on the thing. But eventually they do all the obvious things. You just add this, the features right. in. You're going to have it, right? And, you know, I think maybe famously the one holdout 
is that you can't edit tweets. Like there's still these things. <laughs> no. Like but they, but but then that Twitter has be like every... a paid feature. <laughs> right, right. I I mean uh, uh, aside from that, like Twitter has these things called fleets which are basically like like all of the social services right, just copy what each everyone yeah. else does, right? Right. And so at some point these social services were like well, we're not really about uh, 30-second videos. We're more short pieces of text that really combine together communities and hold them together like the wax in a honeycomb or, or whatever, right? But then eventually they're just like, no, we're just going to run it on premise. Fuck it, <laughs> right? Like, and I, and I, think, I think whatever this clubhouse thing is, it hasn't yet gotten to the point where you can just create recordings and uh, have them somewhere. And then inevitably... They'll experiment with it, and it's going to be some like totally fucked up, you know, garden wall of podcasting where you just like, yeah, why don't you just put an RSS feed on that? And you can stop dicking around for two years. Well, but nope, nope, they they uh, they won't do that. They'll, yeah, they'll the, do something else. I've maybe to go the other way to be let's maybe the more positive thing potentially. Oh, that wait, they, hold on, hold positive that, that they've hit on that I think yeah. maybe they have hit on is that it is. Uh, the barrier to create a podcast is is high, right? I mean, even even it's for one, not. no, even as <laughs> listen to us, not everyone's getting <laughs> to the kind of high quality, incredibly well produced uh, situation we are. Not everyone can get to this, so I do think this idea that like it has made it super simple, kind of like right, you know, it's almost going back in, a long time ago, right, and be like, well, blogger really made it really simple for anyone to create a blog, even yeah, though that yeah, was yeah, probably yeah. so. So I think they are hitting on, and I do always hate when people are like, now everyone's doing Clubhouse. Now everyone's writing a blog. It's like, yes, that's what the whole internet is about. Like everyone should be able to write something easily on the internet if they want. Everyone should be able to, to record a video and put it on YouTube. Everyone yeah. should record. And not everything has to be super well produced. Not everything has to reach 10,000 people. If there's just a few hundred or 10 people that watch it, that's good enough. So, so I do think they totally hit on that. They're like, they have like, figured out that okay people just will use their phones and the audio quality is good enough and we all are going to live with it and anyone can create something so i think that part is yeah, really yeah. good i just think they just need to go the one level is like just make it recorded all the time in fact the a16 podcast that i think matt was going to talk about a little bit was a recorded clubhouse session which I, of course i thought violated yeah. the terms of service but of course they're investors well, so that's a whole nother qu- issue but like if they're doing it if, if a16z is like oh we got to record this because it's good content it's like why don't the vcs but, just pick up the phone and be like hey can we just have a record button here and just make it available for but, everyone? but as soon as soon as so so the a16z when they're like you know we recorded three hours of clubhouse i was like next i was like i was not going to sit through three like un i want a little bit of structure to to the recording like if if i if Careful here, Matt. Don't you know, set saying this as Matt, a, Matt, 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 careful. As, as a Tread lightly with user. your next following <laughs> sentence. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. As a, as a non-Clubhouse user, it's like if I'm going to Clubhouse, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm just going to hang out and talk and you know, hopefully we'll have some good banter. But if I'm a consumer of it, I'm going to get tired of just listening to three hours of – it just seems a little unfocused, right? There's so much content out there that um, as a consumer of content uh, – because, you know, Obviously, they're not going to come and let me talk in the A16 uh, clubhouse. Um, it just doesn't do anything for me. And I already have plenty of content that is more curated, more filtered down, where they're going to get to the point instead of three hours, maybe it only takes 45 minutes. Um, I don't know. It just. Yeah, you know, maybe, to, maybe it's, to it's close, too much for me. Maybe to close it out, I can see a space for uh, 
you know, just long running, persistent Zoom sessions or Skype things. And instead, you're just like hanging out with people in them, right? And sure, but we already I have that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Like, like, I, like a lot of remote workers you know, will have a a Zoom that they just leave open. And, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. They, they... I, 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 I agree. And you know, in in the same in the same way that like before Slack, we already had lots of chat stuff that just was yeah. like not not. For whatever reason, not as easy to use as as uh, as Slack was at the time. You know, maybe to Brandon's point of setting up a podcast, sure you could have an IRC channel, but uh, no one wants to set that up. But then there was also stuff Atlassian did, whatever. So I don't know. Maybe there's something, but it just seems like I don't quite. Uh, I think there's just a lot of excitement because it's like wacky and cool, and uh, you know, you got to have internet stuff to write about. Um, and, you know, you, you is, need you need content filler. This is the thing I like. There's not already too much content. Long ago, when I was aspiring to you know be a media mogul, a phrase I used to use, what I realized is is uh, that the problem with newspapers was that they actually have to publish every day, and so you've got to put news in there. And it made me realize, like, oh, that's why most daily news is just like the same old shit over and yeah, over yeah, yeah. again and also not really interesting it's it's you know whatever and so some... <laughs> so cote's so new cote's daily news comes out once a week <laughs> yeah <laughs> if that i mean even even the economist starts to get boring after a while it's just like, yeah you know... yeah definitely fatigue on, on the news yeah um, but now now let's go like we, matt ray has to leave early i there I, the, like there's some linkedin news which got me thinking about linkedin uh, I spend a lot of time in LinkedIn because uh, it's a good place to hustle eyeballs. I, I, it, there's two things I do. One, I uh, uh, I go connect with people that come to these executive roundtables because I think, one, it's nice to actually have connections of people. And two, I think it makes me look better if I don't have all just a bunch of VMware people in my connections. <laughs> I need to have actual buy-side people, so so it's good. But no, generally... Like it's a, it's a good thing there. And then I'm always like, you know, there's always like people who do WordPress hosting that want to connect with me. I don't, uh-huh. I don't understand. But yes. then, but then, uh, the second thing of course, is that, you know, as I found, if you post your videos into YouTube natively, you get a, a lot of views. Now, I don't know if that's autoplay playing two seconds. Doesn't matter. It's not, it's not like when I report <laughs> on these numbers, I'm going to like, you know, wait it out. And and I couldn't even get that. LinkedIn, I don't think, reports on that for normal people. So I'm going to assume that it's 100% watching a, a, a yes. video. Uh, so that's that's the things I use LinkedIn for. But in seeing, I mean, they're basically releasing a uh, a marketplace for uh, just freelance stuff, which makes sense. Yeah, but sure. uh, it was making me realize, I remember Ben Thompson made this aside a while ago that like everyone's worried about Facebook being a social bo- social monopoly, but then no one ever talks about LinkedIn, right? It's a. Mm-hmm. I think that I think in Germany there's some site XAN or G or something that is similar that Germans actually use. There's but an Australian or, one. Nobody uses it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but more or less, it's just like LinkedIn has has that kind of like com- monopoly is the wrong word, but it's the dominant platform for right. uh, networking and business. And so it's sort of like it seemed really weird when Microsoft bought them. Uh, but then I realized like, oh, yeah, I mean, Microsoft has Office and probably, you know, everyone's like, you need to have a social network over Office. And like they do. 
now, right? <laughs> like, like it's the uh, like LinkedIn. As I think it's actually the name. It's like the only professional social website, and right. um, and man, it's 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 the fuck out of that. Like, <laughs> people like update their stuff in there. Everyone's listed in there. It's uh, it's quite the scene. Uh, so, so a freelancer I mean, the, thing makes sense. That's the that, freelancer uh, thing makes idea. sense. But I, I'm kind of curious. Like, so I was having this conversation with my my 17 year old. He's like, I can't get a job because I don't have any experience. And you know, yeah, got to get a car to get a job. Know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. It's that whole <laughs> that whole that whole story. But but I was like, why don't you uh, why don't you learn how to code? And you know, uh, you can put some stuff up there and 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 uh, you know, pick up some some side hustle work. And he's like. But nobody will hire me because I don't have any experience. I was like, "Well, tell them it's me," <laughs> and and that was a bad idea. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's trying like, to be Daddy Ray. Is that, uh, well, is yeah, that I, I was like, you know, I, I I could you know outsource to my son, and that idea didn't go very far because uh, you know it it just it didn't have a lot of legs. But um, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm excited about it, but also like I've seen the work that comes out of a lot of those, uh, you know, um, coder for hire sorts of things. Oh, shit. Um, you have to be, I mean, it's just like outsourcing. You have to be exceptionally specific and pedantic about what you need and what you will accept or the quality, uh, is going to be pretty half-assed and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I think, I think it'll thrive. But I'm still super skeptical of the quality. Yeah, um, well, I I think outsourcing. there would be a, there'd be a lot of like mid level, just white collar work that you would do in office, right? Like do do some do so. some copy yeah. editing, help me write this press release. Yeah, yeah. You that, know, that, that we we uh, the logo that Brandon has displayed backwards, like he uh, he got that from someone, right? It was good work, like like I. And you know, like a lot of the PowerPoint work I've done o- over over the years, you would have to, as you're saying, be specific. But you could kind of just like outsource that to the network, right? You could just be like, I don't know, make these slides look better, or like <laughs> I, I I had for but, some but reason. Then you have to you have to spend a lot of time quality checking their work, and so sure, sure, it's sure, going to sure. take a. You can't just. They're going to have to really work on the yeah, yeah, yeah. reputation. And, and that, exactly. That. that That's the thing that would be key for it, right? And that's also... So hard, uh, though. So that, hard. that would also be like uh, the, the thing that they would have as a benefit by being the uh, the network there. But it is, uh, you know, I think there's something to that LinkedIn, dopey as it is. And also, there's probably shit tons of advertising revenue. Uh, but <laughs> Matt Ray has to depart. Good luck. This episode is brought to you by Strong DM. Managing access to infrastructure is hard. Databases, servers, web apps, Kubernetes clusters, and they all have different ways of managing access. Meet StrongDM. It's a proxy to manage access to all infrastructure. Need to give the marketing team access to BigQuery and GCP? Done. Does an engineer need access to customer-hosted Windows servers? No problem. DevOps needs to open an interactive shell on EKS? So easy. And it just works. Admins, you can easily extend your identity provider to infrastructure. Automate onboarding, offboarding, and moving people within roles using Terraform or the API. And your end users love it because there's zero change to workflow. StrongDM is trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi to manage access. Start your free 14-day trial today with no credit card required at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT, all lowercase. 
And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. All right, I, there, there was quite a bit of uh, funding rounds. And I have to admit, I don't pay attention to all these funny name companies as much as I used to. So we had, uh, I, well, I did see that Science Logic got like an E round. I used to cover them when I was at 451. They're, they're, you must have known them when you were at Xenos, right? Because they're kind of yeah, a similar sure. thing. No, definitely. I, definitely know them. But I, it was one of those, like when I saw it, I was like, oh, they're still around. You know, it's kind of like you just forget. They're not even in a bad way. It's like, oh, yeah, they're still chugging along, doing their, uh, I assume, doing their network monitoring kind of stuff. And I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, it's kind of our constant conversation. Like, why, why do some of these hit and some of these companies just, I don't know. They just like chug along very quietly year after year. Decades go by. And so, so I know, I know that you, for your professional day job, you evaluate a lot of these companies, try to figure out what's going on with them. Unlike me, so I wanted to get your take on. So one, it was, it was it Platform Nine or Cloud Nine, some kind of nine. Platform Nine, all the, yeah, all the nine. We know about them. So, so they got some some round, and then and then I was reminded of uh, of the the Mark Hinkle joint, the 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 trigger mesh, mm-hmm. I think. He already had the node one that he sold somewhere, so not the node thing. And then and then I wanted to get your your explanation of the trigger mesh thing. So that's that's all I got. Okay. That's that's what I'm interested in. I I don't think that you, as always your uh, excellently prepared notes and things to talk about covers any of that. So Yeah, so we can start with one. so platform 9, right? So they raised, you know, another I guess a series D. So I, I was actually surprised they had that much funding in there. So their their platform, their value proposition, pretty simple, right? Hosted version of Kubernetes. So if you want to essentially host the standard version of Kubernetes on-premise, go to Platform 9, they'll set it up for you, they'll do all the maintenance, all the patching, and they'll keep you up and running. So I don't know. This is one of those that, like, definitely know about it. There are definitely customers who are interested in it. But, you know, you're right in, you know, your world, Kote. You're right here playing against uh, Tanzu. An open shift, right? Because that's like it seems to be that's the conversation you're kind of circling around. And I think their value proposition is like you don't if you if you want to stay true open source, nothing proprietary, um, if you will, just what what's off the trunk. That's kind of their value proposition, keeping it very neutral. But of course, as and you so, know, and, and so they. In- mm-hmm. So they install and manage it for you? Yeah, the whole thing. They'll give you the whole thing. Up and running. Uh, and there was an OpenStack company that did that, right? It was, uh, I forget what it was called, but it's, it's the one that the, uh, oh, he was, he was, uh, he was a fun looking dude. Blue, blue. It's the, that's uh, uh, the one IBM bought, Blue Box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where Tasty Meets Paul worked. Yeah, I don't right? think he, and I think he, I don't think he was happy about the ending. That's, I'm just, I'm breaking news. <laughs> I'm going to say like, I don't think he felt like that ended the right way, uh, <laughs> but go on. Yeah. No, but there okay. is, I mean, I, I kid because, you know, they, IBM did buy that. I don't know. I'm, you know, the version, the short version is IBM bought that and then killed it like almost immediately. So mm. why they did that, I don't know. seems to be like five or 10 different explanations. Failed but, synergies. Yes. That let's leave it at that. Failed synergies. I don't really know the whole story I've heard, but I've heard about 10 versions of different stories. So, Oh, that's the best. So you're kind of back to the same situation here where it's like, yeah, that's kind of the, the, the same value proposition is like, Hey, I just want to take what's been built in the community. That is the generic open source, no proprietary extensions. And I just want you to run that. Right. That's what yeah. platform nine is doing. Right. I and, see. I see. But I do think, you know, this, but it gets, it's always complicated because as you know, very well, Cote, and probably everyone listening to this is like, well, 
there's a lots of stuff like Kubernetes and the open source projects don't do out of the box. So you have to do it yourself. Hence, that's why there's Tanzu. That's why there's OpenShift. And that's why there's other extensions in the public cloud. And now, of course, it gets even more confusing with, yeah. you know, you got Anthos and GKE and Azure Arc and uh, AWS Anywhere. And so they're all kind of like fighting over. They're all Everyone's kind of fighting over that same thing. So this may be as simple as Dodo. The market is so massively big that there's just enough customers for everybody, right? Are there 100 yeah, yeah. plus customers in the world that want just to manage Kubernetes instead? Installation, absolutely. So, you know, they they could do it. Yeah, and 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 then I think I I mean, so one just could be a great standalone business on its own. Let's just you know, in the happy case, sure, great stuff. And then we'll go. The other scenarios are like, at least at least from the OpenStack era and eras before that, as with your infrastructure software, you know, mid whenever you're in in a market like uh, mid to late market. All of the vendors who don't have uh, a distro of that that infrastructure software just go and buy up the little startups that have it. Right. Just, yeah, I mean, as with like Blue Box and uh, mm-hmm. and other things, and, you know, Cisco bought something. And, right. I and think Rancher all... Labs being acquired by Susie would be a similar. Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but I think it's a very similar value proposition. So I think if you're Platform Nine, and I'm sure Rancher Labs is in your your deck. Right, you kind of throw them out. It's like here's a successful exit. We're in the same space. You know, yeah. somebody needs it. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard. It's interesting because like certainly there's probably a set of customers. But it's if I was just to say like in the future, like is this going to break out on its own? It, like to be like, you know, I guess it's just back to expectations. Like, what do your venture capitalists want? Are they expecting like a twenty billion dollar business? Like the next VMware to come out of this? Like that seems very unlikely. Does it seem yeah, likely yeah, that yeah. this company could be acquired? Uh, as you like to talk about string of pearls, right? Like, could this be somebody's pearl they snatch up and then throw into their uh, portfolio? Now, that seems that seems very likely. Seems very possible. Now, now, now the following premise: I am obviously biased because because uh, VMware Tanzu sells this, but but what do you think of the theory that when it comes to uh, I don't know what you would call it a platform, whether it's an operating system. Uh, an application server, uh, uh, an OpenStack or a Kubernetes. What do you think about the theory that like the the winners all eventually have like an integrated stack of stuff there? Like, you know, you got to have your monitoring. You're going to have to have like uh, the actual thing itself. You got to have all the identity management, right? And, and the arch typical example of this is Microsoft, right? Like if you're like a .NET person, you just like it's all integrated together from Microsoft, like all the stuff. And you can buy ancillary things for it, right? You can, uh, I guess, a lot of people use SolarWinds to monitor their Microsoft stack. But in theory, like when I used to cover systems management back at Redmonk, right? Like, like Microsoft's thing was always like we have everything you need in Microsoft land, right? Like you don't really, like I don't think they had batch job management, but they were probably like, why would you do that? They might even had that. And so similarly, right, like I think that the Kubernetes people, they all kind of pitch this. We've got we've got all the stuff that you need. Right. So you should be in our orbit. I mean, definitely the public clouds do that. Right. That's like the whole public cloud deal is like we do everything. (laughs) That's to some extent. That's their value prop. (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. Right. We have everything. 
and and so like in, across the, the the public clouds, they follow. You should use our Kubernetes because we do everything around it, right? So, and that's kind of like the Tanzu thing. And I'm pretty sure in like Red Hat IBM land, like that's their proposition as well. And so it seems like maybe early in the market you can have the piece parts, but eventually you just have the portfolio that does everything. Now I don't know if that's true or not. If you uh, What's the phrase? There's a phrase for this kind of thing. Like it's integrated or it's uh, not piecemeal. Right. Best of breed kind of thing. Best of breed. Yes. That's it right there. Mm -hmm. Going between a sweet and a best of breed (laughs) and uh, trying to find out which which one is there. Maybe it's just a cycle and you go between the two of them. So it's not so much that like any technology always ends up as a sweet. It's that, that you just bounce between sweet and best of breed. But... I don't know. What, what do you think when it comes to your, your platform infrastructure stuff? Do you eventually, can you eventually not be just the vendor of one component of that? You have to be, have kind of like a whole suite of things. Well, I think most of these companies, as they get bigger and they, if they have that platform, if they've had some initial success and they become the thing that everyone's adopting. So go back to your Microsoft example. It's like, okay, Windows was clearly the dominant operating system for the consumer or for, you know, desktop operating system. So it just leads to like, well, hey, if you have this many customers and you have this much business, Mm -hmm. you can go ahead and offer a solution across all of these things. Because even if you don't win, you know, because it's back to the defaults lifestyle. There's always going to be a bunch of people that just like, just give me the default. What comes with it? Right. Like what's how do I buy it all together? So. I think as long as you have the, the core thing you have is so successful that you will continue to really be successful and, if you will, adding these additional products. But there will always be a window for the best of breed, right? There will always be, you know, like my – because it's just the nature of, of kind of specialization. There will always be a database yeah. that's needed for a certain set of customers that the platform, if you will, isn't interested in building either because the market isn't big enough, they don't have the expertise – um, it's just not something you're going to get to. So that's where you get into like filling this out uh, in. And I think systems management is a great example. Like almost all operating systems and all applications come with some base level of management inside of the application, right? Even mm-hmm. if it's just logs, right? They'll just log the errors and things like that. But there's always this need that like, hey, I want to pull together all the infrastructure I have. And hence, you know, all of the systems management companies uh, you know, come out and remember back in the day, you know, you coined the term little four, right? There's like the big four and the little four. It was a long time ago now, but that's why, you know, I always think of that phrase sometimes the little four is like, that's why systems management companies are just constantly being reinvented over and over. It's just always a new set of infrastructure. There's always a set of niche customers that want just all of that to come together and do just a little bit more than what's in the platform. And that's why I think that market is just a good example of like, they're always being created. Those companies are always being snapped up by the platforms, but then new holes are, are created and new companies come in to fill that void. So I think you just see that, you know, that's going to probably play out for the, you know, the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, so then the next topic there. So what, what is a trigger mesh? Okay. So this was uh, the trigger mesh is, is really going getting into this whole idea of the event-based architectures, right? So mm-hmm. I like, I've, you know, as people have been listening to the podcast and go back and listen to the interview that we did with one of the trigger mesh founders, if you want, but I've been more and more interested in this because I feel like this is, you know, the destination we're all trying to get to is some type of event-based architecture. So the idea that like we actually, this is my phrase I've been using, Coach A, it's like, hey, 
you know, we used to talk about servers and then everyone's like, it's not about servers, it's about applications, but it's really not about applications. It's really about events. Businesses are really run on a set of events. Something Uh happens and then something else has to happen, right? Order is entered into the system. Order must be delivered. So if you kind of think of it, if we ever wanted to get to the world we're trying to get to, it's like we would be operating, our business would be, if you will, emitting events, we'd be responding to events, and we'd have, if you will, the quote-unquote agility, as we like to say, to add mm-hmm. new uh, functions, whether new, that be new events or the new way to process events, we'd be able to do that all the time. Today, that's very complicated, right? That's like all this application integration. So trigger mesh, and I would just say they're, they're one of the people pushing this, right? And obviously, all the public clouds have some type of event-based systems, and this is really where serverless, right, you know, gets its, its, its name is they're trying to become that traffic cop, in my opinion, between, hey, they have the idea of like, they can take events from everything. Those are the sources. Mm-hmm. They have a bridge mm-hmm. in the middle that lets them, if you will, route events and respond to events to different place, right? And those are kind of, if you will, the triggers. And then you have kind of the destinations, right? The target. So it's like, I get the event, I set, if you will, the trigger on it, and then I send that off or I consume that as a, a, a target, and then I can do something. And then, of course, the, it goes on. The target can become the source for the next set of events, right? Right. So I don't right, know. Right. That probably was a convoluted answer, but no, it's like it's like the uh, the publish subscribe pattern. Yeah, right? and like, I and I think you, you know you hit on it right there. It's like, well, haven't we done this before? It's like, well, yes. The short answer is yes. We've done this before, but it does seem like now we have all these public cloud vendors, we've got all these hybrid cloud, and we're all moving to Kubernetes, and we're trying to get to the point that we have these microservices. So now, just like, you know, there's lots of stuff before the internet, but now the fact that we have the chance to connect everything together, it feels like now you have the, the chance to really connect to events that are outside any one closed system. So that's the thing that's new, right? Is that going from GCP to AWS to your hybrid cloud seems very achievable now. And so you don't have to like, quote unquote, for sure. Back in like the times that we were talking about this, it would have been like move everything into your data center. Everyone has to use the same event bus and it's never going to work because we're never going to get there. Well, I think uh, trigger trigger mesh, if you will, and others are trying to you know get past that. So I don't know. Yeah, is, that yeah. good, uh, is that a good uh That is good. For some reason, my camera died. What's up with that, Apple? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I haven't really done event-based stuff in forever, but my experience with it was always like, like you know, whether it's ESBs or what was it, Enterprise Beans, uh, <laughs> the, the other ones, beans, or, yeah. like like my my experience was always that uh, like the problem is you end up spending all of your time like with class loaders and data types and like all this kind of bullshit, and then and then basically like. Your your enterprise eventing system. You have all these dreams of it being, as we like to say, agile and allowing for that. But then, really, it just kind of like ends up being just another like calcified way of things you have to do, right? Like you've got to follow these data stand these uh, data standards, not standards, but you have to format your data in the agreed upon enterprise way, and then you have dependencies about like. You know, when I pass this event along, I have a dependency on the definition of that event. So now I'm in lockstep with the definition of it. And then if I want to introduce a new type of event, I got to go to the enterprise review board. You know, you're basically just like in the same spot you were earlier, except now you've got two problems, as they like to say. And it seems like, you know, we should have another go at that because right. it's a it's a good idea. And uh 
And then and then you have those nerds who are like, what about, you know, three-phase commit? And you're just like, yeah, what about it? You still do that. I don't know, man. Like, so <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, think- that's like... That's like the answer. Like every over the years, there's there's someone always asks about transactions, and then, you know, I've uh, some of my coworkers have given them. You know, there's that explanation that's basically like, well, if we have an event based system, and you know, we're tracking all of the events in order that they occurred, you can always like play back the log, and I don't know. They just right. go into this like mystical like sort of recounting of eventing but i think the real answer is like yeah every now and then everything just deadlocks and you do a transaction whatever right yeah, like work well but i i do think another way to come to that same problem is like yeah like if you want to find places that doesn't work perfectly right now it's not that hard so like yeah you could we could construct some complicated you know two-phase commit and, and things like that when it works so i think that's always the case i think when I look forward, though, the question I guess I would ask everyone is like, as we build all this infrastructure out, all the Kubernetes, the microservices, and all these things, like, you know, the benefits, I think that I'll just give it to Trigger Mesh, but other people have said it, right? It's like, okay, we're trying to get to the point that, like, okay, auto scaling, we want to actually, when we're not using mm. something, we want it to yeah, scale yeah, to yeah. zero. We don't want to pay for anything, right? And then if we do that, that gets to usage based pricing where we're literally only paying for the things that we consume. So when we started this, like, journey to cloud right to use the cliche whenever this started in 2005 or later that's what we were promised right that's what we were doing all this for and we haven't gotten there yet right we still just have a ton of infrastructure running different things and if to really get there to realize that that end goal it's something like events is what does it when you move to the events because then you can sit there have everything idle oh i got the event i spin it up and then i'm only gonna have to to pay for that. And that's one of the things that we talked about when AWS did the reinvent, right? The fact that they had really ratcheted down usage page billing down to what I think it was like, I don't know, 500 milliseconds. I can't remember what it was, but it was a big deal. And it's like, so kind of to your question, back to your original question, it's like, if that is the end goal, right? And, and that's maybe debatable, but if that's the end goal, then it's back to like, we'll figure out the two-phase database commit along the way to make that work. If it isn't, if the goal is just to like, let's just run kind of the same infrastructure we've been running in the public cloud and make it a little bit, you know, a little bit cheaper, a little bit more um, agile, then okay, we can do that too. It's just not, you know, it's a different goal. And I think that's kind of, when I'm talking to like big customers, I think that's what I always like to, you know, think about like, what is their end goal? Where do they want to go? Yeah, what is yeah. tomorrow's insurance company what do they want to be? They want to have the same kind of infrastructure in the cloud or are they trying to get to something like this? And everyone has a different answer. Yeah. No, it's good. That my one of my my uh my my fellow VMware Tan, Tanzu person, uh James Urquhart, that's how you say his name. He just published an O'Reilly book on on event based stuff. Mm-hmm. I should go peruse that. Yeah, I think there was a good uh in fact we'll we'll just cloudcast, you know, friends over there. I think they did a nice interview uh, oh, with yes. him and you can like get a good uh it's a good thirty minutes. Brian always does a good job. Not a lot of nonsense. You know, it gets right to the facts. So you know, you can. Uh, but I think you know he he makes a good case for for all of it. And I think you know you can talk more about it. But really, like, what's all the work of Tanzu, right? I think Tanzu is another step forward to this goal, right? It's like, hey, let's get away from just managing VMs. Let's get into the Kubernetes world. Let's get into microservices. But again, like, this is all trying to get to that greater goal. Or yeah. we're just like down another technological cold the sack and we'll be like oof at legacy conf 2028 we'll be like we kind of got off that serverless thing that was a bad detour we found ourselves in a a bad cold the sack (laughs) 
yeah. and the, we yeah. shouldn't have gone there. Well, I think I think you know. Let's call it mid best case scenario with this stuff. You're always just like making a better cul de sac. Like you know, the the t- today's cul de sac that's all awesome. You know, is uh, soon becomes yesterday's cul de sac that you know is all busted down. Like like you know where when you start the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, you're on a cul de sac there. At some point, it was a super cool cul de sac. Right. And now it's a now it's legacy. But let me ask you, I want on this thing. It's like, you know, just take let's make it our own lives for a second. Like and all the companies I've worked in. Right. Um, like just wanted to get like, hey, get notified of like a, a new customer signs up for your like you like there's a sale. Like there's a sale of, you know, of, of the product or service or thing that you care about. Or there's like a new lead or like a show. And I, I think to myself, like it's incredibly hard to get this information usually like, you know, maybe you went to like a trade show and you did some presentation and it's like, um, can, can you get a, a notified quickly when like, Oh, the people from the show actually like responded and became leads or, or yeah. you want to get questions or, or just like all the events. Like I think about a lot about that is like, what are all the things I wish I knew happened inside my company all the time? Like that were related to the things I care about. I wish yeah. there was some way for me to go, kind of like find some way to subscribe to that. Right. And so at best it's like, can you get on the email distribution list for such and such project or effort? Right. Or can you get on like the weekly or biweekly sales leads pipeline report? Um, But all of that is like usually exported from a system, put in Excel, maybe a PowerPoint passed around, put on a file share. And it's like, I, I think about all the time, like, like I, I spend trying to like just get a view of all of this stuff. And this isn't, you know, I, I find this kind of has been every company I've been at, right? There's never been a place where it's like, oh, well, um, you know, like here's where here's where we can see all the things that are happening in our business. And it's very easy to like get a sense of what's going on. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess I, I don't know if other people, th- I guess I always come back to like, do other people think of this? Like, you know, um, and maybe the, the, to kind of bring it back to, to get your take is like, I always feel like every time we are, cutting we're exporting something to excel taking some data we form in excel and then pasting it into powerpoint like like another part of me dies you know what i mean it's like another moment of my life has passed by where we've just instantly created some piece of data that will almost be outdated by the time i send hit on the email and but it happens like i don't know i don't know millions of times a day people are doing this and it's like no, this is not what we wanted. Like, we can't all just go to the system of record and see what's happening. And it's like, like, I don't know. Do, are other people tired of this? <laughs> is it just me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think so. So directly to that, and we'll see if I remember the, the other thing I was going to add. Like, yeah, I mean, you're making me think that, that, that the, the day-to-day white-collar work is just a bunch of ephemeral stuff. Right. Like it gets saved and logged somewhere in like, you know, your regulatory email logging. But it's really like like I remember when I shifted from that, when I really started doing white collar work, I was like shocked that there was no like version control. Right. Like, it, you know, it's just like it's just such a basic, simple thing. And now, you know, with Google Docs, I haven't really checked out how Microsoft does it. But with Google Docs, if you know where to look, like there's there's version control just built in, right? And yeah. it's just sort of like it's actually really useful. <laughs> and then and then, you know, another layer on top of that is if you have if you've got like a SaaS version of, you know, Office 
and people know how to use like suggest changes, then that is equally like a big leap forward. Most people like, I don't know, they're dodgy on suggest changes. But, you know, that, like emailing around Excel stuff, like the, and th- this kind of connects to like the thing, I need to read up more before I get too cynical about it or too excited. But like the, the big question in my mind is like, so what can you use this for? Now, obviously, you can use it for everything, right? I mean, I'll, I'll be flippant about that. But sort of like, how, what would your architecture look like if, if like there's all these events everywhere and so all the other business units that are interested are like monitoring for these events and pushing their own events in? And I think, I mean, I totally get that an architecture like that is a lot easier to scale. And it also, in theory, removes dependencies between teams, right? That So now you can get to that ideal thing we were always chasing with microservices, that like we remove dependencies and uh, it scales better. I'm repeating myself. But, you know, you get to that that goal that we had. Like, do you remember in 2015, everyone was hustling microservices yep. because then your teams could work independently? And, yeah. I don't know if that dream ever happened. That that's uh who knows. But you know, so that's cool, but like, you know, if I were to look in my bag of regular old boring things, uh and it's not so much that these things couldn't be architected in an event-based way, but you know, I wonder like, well maybe it's okay to email a spreadsheet. And so like one of them would be like, well for first of all, anytime that you involve like sales, the salespeople don't care. They're going to use email, right? Like you could automate the shit out of that. Yep. And maybe maybe you can get your inside salespeople and your field marketing people to kind of like do something. But the salespeople at the end of the day, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to like email you like three hours before a phone call that's mission critical for you to be on. And you're going to ask them like, so what's the context? Tell me what's going on. And they'll be like, can you make the call? And then you show up at the call and you just got to figure out what the fuck's going on. I mean, this is all right. So let's like, pause there for a second because that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, and like yeah. one of the things they're going to say is, hey, we're meeting with a financial, uh, uh, um, a large financial institution. Can uh-huh. you be prepared to talk about the last five customers that are in finance that have per- done something just like this? And because they really think it's important to have a, sure, a financial sure. reference. And yeah, it's like, got it. So what do I do on the other end? It's like. I kind of access to all these various systems, right? And I yes. kind of know people who've deployed stuff. And I I poke around. I'm like, oh, I think I remember this one. And I think I remember this one. Yep, but there's yep. never, it's very like, so what I would want, if, maybe we can't change the salesperson, but I'm like, man, I'd like to see, I just want to go look at the last 50 projects that were set to complete, totally, totally. right? And I just want to go like, I just want to go look at it. I want to like quickly scan it. Even, forget the fact that like, I'm not even going to pretend that like people have tagged it and they say what industry it in. It's like, oh, if I could just yeah, scan yeah, yeah. down the last 50 projects that were like, if you will, tagged as, as being done or complete, I'll just look at the list of companies myself and be like, oh, I think I can find five financial com- uh, companies. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, that's what I want. And like, this is what happens like every single day. Like I'm not unique. That's not, uh, you know, like, People are trying to do that all the time. And I think you could think of a thousand other, um, you know, support cases, the same thing. It's like, hey, didn't someone else have the same problem? And it's like, well, I wish we could just go tap into something where we can go see this stuff. And it's like, maybe not everyone's going to get to it. But today it's like, I got to start emailing people or I got to have just a lot of tribal knowledge. Like I yeah, know yeah, so-and-so yeah. exports this from Excel. 
I'm sorry, this, this is how it works. Like this is a somewhat re, uh, real example. Like I know that this one person has created their own spreadsheet and they do this really good export of Salesforce and the spreadsheet has already got the data I want in a pretty quick way that I can query yeah. it. But I have to go see if they've actually done the export for this week. Right. And that's how yeah, I get like yeah. a lot of my answers to questions. You know? So yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't like it though. I don't feel like this is like, it's not. Yeah. A great yeah. Time. You, you know, like over the years there'll be, uh, everyone is on board for doing like win, win loss reports. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, you can encounter ones no, where, no, hold on. I have to interject. Everyone is yeah. on board with wanting win loss reports. I don't no, know. No, if that, no, wants, no. I was on board with doing yes. win loss reports. That, that's, that's what I was saying is every few years, like something happens and you've got a good three, six month run. Where like you have a, not everyone, but you've got a lot of people writing these reports, and not only do they write them, but two things: one, they write them concisely, right? Yeah. There's usually a format that goes over things, and then three, this is the part that's always missing: is there is a consistent filing cabinet, so to speak, that they go in. And at some point, I remember the last time I remember this happening, it was way back in the pivotal days. And there was just like a highly structured uh, Google Drive hierarchy, right? And, you know, it was divided by, it was a little touch and go, like sometimes it was divided by region, sometimes it was divided by industry, but it was easy enough. You could go in there and just like search around and do things. But then, I don't know what happens, people just stop doing it, right? And so, now... In this in this this world where we uh, we have a win or a loss and we kind of fire off an event, right? Now now I think we could get close to something interesting, right? Where what happens is uh, it gets written, an event is fired off, and we have a bunch of a bu- we have people who are writing their own reports, or there's actual like like finance is like the way that we are going to know uh, if we're going to eat the book or eat the plan or whatever is like these events fire off and therefore we know when revenue has come in and we are sitting there listening for these events of, of revenue coming in. And so that's cool. Or you could have your your um, your field enablement people who are doing your win-loss reporting. They could be listening for these events and then they go and kind of like write the thing. Now, I'm just I'm just exploring the space here, not trying to be too too objectionist. No, I was getting confused with the Ayn Rand people. And, and not an objectivist, but an That's objectionist. Right. And, and uh, the capitalist takeover. No, go ahead. Keep going. But but so in theory, so so we have to figure out how and we're kind of we've got I think I think what you always have to figure out is how a new architectural style defeats the human limitations and sloppiness of the previous one. And so the the human problem with the previous one is you have Salesforce. And in theory, like I've kind of dug around in Salesforce and you can see that there's this there's this notion that if people just updated Salesforce, you could run reports just like you were saying, right? Like you could even go in there and if this report was in there, what I could do is I could trace every time someone downloads my book if anything happened. And it's like I know those reports exist, but like it's like some mystic cabal shit to get them because they're just not like standardized, right? Like all this stuff is like weird. And so like similarly, like when a salesperson like uh, or or whatever, when there was a win-loss thing or an encounter, if you just had a few notes, you would put it into, I assume that like in Salesforce, you can have a person or an entity and you kind of like log stuff that has happened. 
and you could have all that in there, right? But like, that doesn't happen. No, I mean, do you have a, do you have like a library full of like a thousand exactly. win reports? Exactly. So I'm going to propose a, a solution to like a world that maybe combines a couple of things we've talked about. Like, this is the world I would like to live in, right? It's like one, we don't know well when something's ready for a win loss report. It's very hard to find. So I think we've outlined that like there is a potential way to do that using this event based architecture. Like, hey, upon uh, the successful sales, we're going to have this event go off, right? Now, the second thing we know in getting a win-loss report is no one can ever take the time to write one up. There's never anyone available to do it. It's That's just a fact of life, right? It's never anyone's job. So what we could do is we could link up here with the LinkedIn gig economy. We could say, I've got <laughs> writers who are uh-huh. explicitly good at interviewing you know, like almost like they have a journalist background. That's the kind of people, this takes another idea I've always thought about. Like, sure, why sure. don't we hire some kind of journalist people with those skills? They would basically get, it's almost like a freelance assignment for them. Here's the information. This is the customer yeah. that has won. Here are the, the salespeople that won the deal. You are now the journalist. This is your lead. You need to go write whatever. Let's say 2,000 words, maybe less. I don't know. Something like that. I want you to write a 2,000 word story Here's an example of the template that we use. It's like customer industry before, after, and some great data points around it. And I also want you to publish along with that. I want you to publish a 15-minute audio conversation with the people that were involved in selling and deploying the deal, right? And that's your job. Your job is, and this is back to like, we're not, this is a freelance thing. There's no MBOs or anything. It's like, this is a story. We pay this amount for it. Like, I don't know what we should pay. To me, it's like $1,000, $2,000. I mean, whatever, right? You just put a number on what's this case study worth? And it's like, so that's the world I would like to live in where it's like the company has said a case study is worth this amount of money to us. And yeah, yeah, yeah. we've enabled through this event-based architecture, right? The, something to flow from like, we need it, resource assigned, resource paid. And then even on the back end, it's like they submit the story back. It goes right into a, a quick review, publication onto your intranet published and then ideally the event goes out and then that person gets paid you know right, right. That's okay the okay. world i want to live in so so i i think i think we've strayed deep into uh let's call it the office worker thing right because and, and, and an office worker you're basically like as you started off with you're always hunting for some information you're going to use in a meeting right like that's kind of what you're always sorting around for and in the meeting, you're going to make some decision or you're going to try to like hustle someone. You're going to try to like sell them something. Now, the other types of applications, and I would assume that like your trigger meshes and your your Urquats of the world, and or, I'm, I, I made a reference to a, a star video game. I said his name wrong. Uh, but anyways, so that's weird. But the other types of applications, you know, the classic ones I always use are like uh, applying for a loan, right? So... In an event-based thing, like usually that's just a complicated workflow, but I could see in an event-based thing, the way you architect it is I go to a, a, what do you call it, a web page, maybe an app. I fill out all my information. There is the application, and uh, that fires off an event to the people who look at the application, and or it, it's not even the people. Right. Underwriting. In theory, basically goes to underwriting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Be, because in theory, everyone's using an app and they don't know that events are quote unquote firing off. Right. It's just like they log into their machine and an application went into the mesh as an event 
And then there's there's the underwriters who the underwriters apps. Again, it's the apps are subscribing to this and they just pull in a queue of those things. Right Mm -hmm. now, that would be nowadays. I assume what happens is I fill out a uh, an application and it gets stuck in a database somewhere or there's some batch job thing that runs through and sucks those out and like sets them up. But you basically just have like a queue. It's like email more or less. And then so, you know, I could see that you could you could replace uh, what do you call it? Like condition, conditional branching workflows that just use a normal relational database. And instead it could be a, an event-based way of shooting these events off and things like that, right? And then, so in that case, the question becomes like, why? All right, <laughs> right? so my like, answer on this, right? I feel like the answer here would be like, the system, if you knew all the potential workflow and it was never gonna change, I think you hard code that thing up one time, right? And it's just right, right, system right. A calls system B. Right. Yeah. What happens yeah. though, and what the and the reason these things, these enterprise systems get so, if you will, if hardened, right, is like over time, more and more requirements change, and like now it doesn't just need to go to underwriting; it needs to go to compliance. And now the application right, 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 doesn't right. necessarily support that, so you have to right, do some right. type of integration. And I'll give you like a, maybe a much better real world example that we can all relate to. All right, here in Austin, just around the, like the rest of the world. The pandemic hits, right? So now suddenly all the restaurants, at least in my area, have to offer curbside pickup. So all of them have implemented some form of like you pull up, you see, they have a sometimes even a handwritten sign. They say, text your name to this system, right? And yep, we'll come yep. out to you. And, you're, and what it looks like, I'm sure they're all different ways, but what I can tell, like a lot of them look like a Twilio-based uh, integration where like, you know, Twilio gets the... Uh, the text, it looks like you, they're parsing the text, which is, as we know, is very simple. Uh, former sponsor Twilio, so shout out to them. Uh, it basically does the text. And then I assume, right, that actually goes and triggers something in the order entry system, uh, the restaurant yeah, yeah. point of sale, that lets them know that, oh, it's actually here and you see that they've paid or or if you have to collect payment. So it's just a good example. I think that's a good example of like no, none of these restaurants, even here in Austin, the bicycle sports shop, suddenly it's curbside, right? That's the only way you can do stuff with them. So none of these retail establishments that probably ever even thought they would do curbside or had a reason to, you know, overnight had to figure out how to do it. And it's like, I'm not saying they use trigger mash or they have some event-based system, but the metaphor, that idea of like, this is how they were able to do it. Something along the lines of this. I'm sure today yeah, these yeah, are yeah, like yeah. very hardwired, ugly systems behind the scenes, but that's the kind of like, you know, are you flexible? Can you do this kind of stuff? And so back to your finance example, it's like, yeah, well, underwriting only needed to see it. Now compliance needs to see it. And Oh, turns out there's another regulation, right? And yeah, if you yeah, kind totally, of add them totally. over and over, that's where your system, you know, back to our, our Citibank discussion last week, that's where you end up with a crazy field, right? Where it's like, oh, wait a minute, just put it in as a dummy transaction and you accidentally transfer yeah, the so, 500 so, so million. So that's, that, that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good example. And, and like, exactly, right? So, so with your, the insurance thing, right? You need compliance, right? And you might need like a whole new type of compliance. And so that's where like doing an event-based thing, it, the, the decoupling that it gets you uh, is sort of like, as you need to add these new things to do, all I mean, this is what a one of the things that makes publish subscribe great is like you can just you can have limitless subscribers that you, you don't have to like do a release to add. And, you know, I think a lot of what killed SOAs and stuff is that you ended up needing to have that because like 
of class path problems or, or whatever, right. right? Because people, again, people failed to like code in a way that was decoupled enough. So that's a good example of like, so instead of having a, let, let's go into the city thing just to like draw it out. That, I mean, that's, that's a perfect example is like what I'm doing air quotes here, what should have happened in an event-based system an event would have fired that like I'm going to get it all wrong that like we're we're uh, we're redoing these loans and uh, we need to pay off um, the uh, uh, the interest or whatever it was right and and so that event fires off and there's a whole other app that is easier to update and it says all right I received that event and I do the thing whereas like I mean the bat whereas what was happening is they had more of a linear workflow that was hard coded with a bunch of if then else stuff it looked like. Now, that said, if that UI you could have taken that UI and had an event based system on the back end, I think, right? Like and it's just so like the architecture would have been better cuz in in that because that that UI that they were using was the creation of that event, right? So in the UI they were filling out a fields to create the event. Right, and it wasn't so much it was an event. It probably was like, it, I don't think it was a batch job because they noticed it within hours. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty, it's pretty real quick, right? time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look how many and, times we could have solved this for them, right? It's like, okay, that application was hard coded, right? And then and the the problem was it was an event. It was just a call to another system, right? There was no way to yes, come in between. That's so a, that's right, if that's this right. had been, let's assume for a minute they had event based system, they could have said, listen, let's leave that screen alone. It's used for this other purpose, and if someone needs to do this other, you know, complicated, um, you know, pay all the the, the outstanding um, people we owe for this loan, we're going to create another screen for another application that's maybe completely outside of this application, right? Because we know that we can, as long as we can create the event in the right format, it'll be fine because we built the system to do that, right? And yeah, so yeah. that way we could have a nice, simple web UI that's customized. just for that use case, right? So that you can't make a $500 million mistake. Um, I mean, so that's just one example. So to your point, though, I think the thing that's really important there is like when you see screens that have that weird thing, like, well, just put in a dummy code. That's really what it's showing is it's a hard-coded API call from point A to point B, and there was nothing else they could do, right? There was no other way to change it. If you had some event-based system, now you're at a point where you can actually adjust and in this case it's not even adding new functionality it's just like hey we just have to do this task in a slightly better way um so you kind of when you start to think about that but again that requires the company to really be thinking about what are the business functions i really need to do and i think those become the events right inside your system and that is a different way of thinking you know it's kind of back to like matt ray was saying about well the reason gig economies don't work is that you have to be really prescriptive about what you want. And I would actually go further and say, well, that's what the, that's why the problem of business, right? It's like so many times we're not really thinking about what are all the people we want to do? What do we want them to do in our business, right? Have we really thought through? So what do you end up with? A lot of cut and paste from PowerPoint, right? That's what people are doing. They're trying to construct these views for the rest of the business because they don't really have any you know, other way to do it, right? And if you think more about what you want your people to do, that probably gives you a sense of what the event should be and that ultimately probably lets people have the tools to do stuff and not do work about work, right? Stop cutting and paste the PowerPoint, start interacting directly with the business events that are important to your company. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, so you got Trigger Mesh, and they're basically just trying to... You got a new architecture <laughs> that's event-based, and they want to, like... Well, I think they're trying to do a bunch of stuff. I think, no, I don't know. I mean, we should... Uh, we we'll almost have to get them back on or something, but, like, I think... I think there's a bunch of use cases. They talk a lot about the traditional stuff, though, like the GitHub, like on a code check-in, yeah, yeah. fire an event, do a lot of IT yeah, stuff. And that's that like, sense. that's probably the stuff that everyone is more comfortable with, right? Like, that's like, oh, that makes sense. That's sort of like some kind of CICD. I just think, hey, you know, like, maybe, maybe it's like we're 25 years in the future. It's like where we want to go, though, is like where the business is thinking in these events and interacting with it. And I think the yeah, easiest yeah, yeah, way to yeah. think about that is like, Stop cutting and pasting between Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Start interacting with these different events and getting access to the data that you need to do your job, right? That's really where yeah, I want. Yeah. That's what I like to think about. Yeah. And you could you could have a comp with like MuleSoft and, you know, like like that. Yeah. And it's all, the, I mean, you can also say it's just a variation on this, the API driven world, right? I mean, everything's becoming an API. That's been around for a while. MuleSoft's done it. Um, you know, trigger mesh is going in another direction, this whole serverless thing. So it's all incremental progress to like, you know, the great, the great unknown, if you will, the great future that we want to live in. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a good deep dive, Brandon. All right. I think, I think, I think we've, uh, we, we've beaten as much of that horse as we can see. There's, there's a whole lot more there uh, of that horse, but pummeled the part that we have uh, essentially. So I think, uh, uh, I don't know. We, what, what, I, what is this? Let's do one more thing here, just because it's fun to talk about. What is what is this hey thing? It's like where you email a blog entry? Is that what's going? Did you look at that? I haven't looked at. I don't know. Hey's been doing a bunch of stuff. One, they uh, I guess they don't set cookies, so that's why you don't have to like click on their cookie. Uh, and then yeah, it looks like they're trying to get into like the Substack game a little bit, you know. So the idea that like email is the internet's uh, oldest instant mm. quote self publishing platform. So they're basically trying to let you use email to build out, you know, small uh, audiences using kind of their, you know, their version of email subscriptions. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, I don't like, what do we think about Hey in general? Like, I I just sort of think it's like, I just think they have a passionate community that likes them. So like, sure, like they should build products for that community, but it doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't cross over into like my world that much where I want it. So I don't know if I just, yeah, I don't know if I'm just cynical or what. you know, as you're saying, it seems like what what they have is that you can basically uh, do email lists, more or less, that mm-hmm. also can be published, just like you said, just like Substack. I mean, that's that's all Substack is, is like we have a blog and it emails out the blog entries, which is great. Looks like it works for people. But uh, yeah, I, I went and looked at the tweet where they're talking about this or something. And man, every response was people who were just like, I love this. There was even a lot of the take my money. <laughs> which which uh is is uh always encouraging well it's, it's yeah, like, I, I think what we got to before like i mean i think the where we should give them credit all of that crew right to get um what was their um can't remember i was about to say getting things done but that's not right their other uh rework right i think that's their brand rework it's like they have definitely created a, a passionate community and i think of them just sort of like they created a community and now they're just good at building products for that community but you they they're probably equally fine with like people that don't want to be in that community that probably helps yeah, them yeah, out yeah, as well yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I think when you're not inside the cult there, when you're not like really drinking all the Kool-Aid, you're probably like, mm, it's just email to that world though. Yeah. They're like, we love it. Like Basecamp, like, which I've never been particularly enamored with, but like people love it. There's like, a group of people who are like, this is, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. We have to use th- Basecamp. I, and you're like, okay. I, I think, you know, I think, I think they're, I don't know if this is true in so much as it's like my little 
playful criticism my my playful like you know way of thinking about it is i i think they're a type of defaults lifestyle thing or rather defaults lifestyle is one of these which is like you try to pick and i mean architecture in the broadest sense of the world you try to pick like your IT architecture, like the tool suite that you're using that forces you to live your life a certain way. And so, like, I think the, is it 37 signals? I think a lot of what they do is like this, to them, of course, virtuous cycle. You lose track of the chicken and the egg, but it's sort of like, we want to, we work this way, so we write software that matches how we work. Now we have this software that forces us to work this way and we work this way, so therefore we need this software that does this thing. And you get in this loop where, like, you're you're reinforcing this way of existing and working based on the tools that you have. And so, like, something like Hey is like that is like this is a very opinionated idea of how to use email and your relation to email and things that you're doing. And if you don't match that way of thinking about email, it doesn't make any sense, right? Like, it's just like you're you're like you're like the uh, you're like the nerdy person like myself who's like so you created filters and folders and email, right? Like, and, you know, if you think about things that way, it's not a big deal. But I think more of like when I, I remember when I looked at, hey, the, I, my, I was like, oh, yeah, if I just looked at my inbox as one gigantic stash of stuff, this would be awesome, right? Like this would force me into that, like, you know, it's almost like, uh, what are the words people use nowadays? Late stage capitalism and anarcho-capitalism, <laughs> And and like it's almost like like that the view of hay is like this post productivity world where like you're using all these productivity goals like ideas, but the reason you're using all these productivity ideas is not to do more work; it's to like be less productive. <laughs> like like if 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 that subtle nuance makes sense, it's like I want all of my tools to support me working less. Yeah. Not working smarter. Like, never mind working smarter. I want to work less. That that should be the new, don't work smarter, work less, is is uh, what people want to go for. And so, like, a lot of what comes out of them seems to be uh, in that area. Similarly, right, like, when you look at teams, there's, like, an architecture of how people work, right? Like, we're going to go off into little rooms, and we're going to uh, be able to share our documents, and everything's centered around an artifact, that we're sort of like creating and tracking and doing. And then we'll go meet to talk about that, uh, that, uh, that artifact. And then we're going to go present that and we'll log the meeting minutes. And then here's the decision that was made. And then we're done. Right. Like, and it's like that, it's that kind of lifestyle. Whereas like, I, I feel like maybe not the 37 signals, but like if some other people made like the equivalent of teams, they would be like, that could have just been an email. And like, you know, instead of having all these team rooms you go in, it would be like a really good threaded email system where people could like pick the e- people probably do this in like open source coding communities. But you would sort of like finally pick the email that was the final decision. And that's what would be logged. Right. right. And, like that would be like, highlighted. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I, I don't know. I forget why I started talking about that. But that's. Uh, well, I, I think, think your but your point kind of just coming back to this, like, hey. <laughs> to you say using hey right is i think if you've kind of bought into the you know 37 singles now base camp if you're kind of if you will convert to that world 
And I think they put a huge premium on writing and like, hey, writing down important things, not having meetings, right? And making sure that your written work can be easily shared with lots of people, then writing an email, emailing it to world at hey.com or whatever the URL is, um, you know, to them, I think it's like that probably appeals to you, right? That's probably like, this is something that's really important to me. Whereas there are like, there are tons of other ways to post something to the internet, right? That are, you know, you can imagine either equally good or bad, but it seems fine. It just feels like a lot of this is just, they have a community. They're good at building products for it. And I always acknowledge that like, I just, for whatever reason, I'm not taken by that community. It's not the world. Like I live in that much. So yeah, I find yeah, myself, yeah. you know, it's kind of like Clubhouse. We were talking about that earlier. It's like, I like the ideas of Clubhouse. I think I would listen to, like, I am p- more prefer audio than lots of more written text. But it's just like, I just can't get into Clubhouse just because I just don't have, I haven't built the the mentality to, like, go listen to them in real time. I just, I want it to, you know, I'm so yeah, set yeah, in my, yeah. like, just give me the content. I'll listen to it while I'm doing the dishes. You know, like, give it to me later. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but, you yeah. know, you, you, I don't know. You have a... You've got another sort of it's a productivity of or making making information consumption efficient and fitting into to your schedule. Just what one more thing there, and then we should wrap up. What was the one more thing? I'm almost forgetting it. We're talking about architectures of oh, you know we're we're uh, we're looking into like buying a house here, and uh, so so you got to talk to, in our case, like a mortgage broker, and then there's real estate people are not used as widely here it turns out as they are back in the states but then you got to talk to a real estate person and both of them of course want to have a phone call that really could have been an email right like but it's just sort of like it's their architecture of how you do work that of course you're going to have a phone call just to like go over things whereas really like you could just send me some bullet points like you know the mortgage broker needs a bunch of documents to prove i'm not a money launderer right like since I'm, you know, bringing money over. And like, eventually it gets reduced down to what it should be have been in the first place. He just sends me like a 10 point bullet list and the site to upload the things to. And that's fine. Right. Like, and, but, but it's just like the, again, the architecture of how people do things is they want to have meetings where they see you face to face and sort of makes sense. But, but I think this uh, is like one of the, I do think this is like, you're hitting on like a key like distinction I think of like a lot of like maybe tech founders where it's like what you just said is like this this meeting should have been an email but like there's the flip side of that is like no like a lot like what what you're saying there is like hey I don't really want to have the meeting it's kind of a waste of time I don't enjoy it whereas like what I think those other people are often saying right are saying is like I don't want to read an email I don't want to write a long email I don't want to have to outline this because you're going to have a question or like, I'm not, I don't particularly just like writing. Like, like I always think that's like the biggest thing, like between like the, the Hay founders, right. The Stripe got, uh, founders, like they love to write. They like went to school and they wanted to write papers. They loved it. Right. And that's great. I mean, that is fantastic. But then, I don't know. There's always this acknowledgement. Like, did, weren't you in class with like the other, like where there's a segment of people who are like, shit, I have to write a paper and I don't want to do it. Like, did you never yeah. talk to those people? Cause like, I think there's just like some give and take. It's like, I don't want to write a, yeah, a six. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, it's like, I don't want to write a six page memo. I would rather talk for 25 or 30 minutes to figure out what the hell we're doing. Right. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's you know, like the give and take in this whole thing. It's like at the end, I'll write a five sentence email. Right. But I, you know, that may be like how yeah, I prefer yeah. to do it. So, so back to like, I'm just defending your mortgage broker here. Like it matters, but I'm just saying it's like, he's, he or she is probably thinking too. It's like, I need to get a sense of who these people are. Like, do they really have money? 
Like, do I think I would be able to find them a house? Totally. Like, there's no, all you, these you've other got, things you've got to that they're not going to get email, right? Yeah. 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 So, no, um, no. no that, you, you know, and you reminded me of another thing I said I was going to wrap up, but like, you know, uh, since, since I'm like expat on assignment, the company helps figure out my taxes. And so that, you know, being a large company, uh, Pivotal had like more of a boutique firm that we worked with and VMware uses uh, Ernst & Young. And so this year I'm using Ernst & Young oh, oh, and wow. like, the 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 boutique firm like i would have a phone call with someone and and the three years i did it i had this dedicated tax guy jordan and then i had yaga who was uh, my dutch tax guy and i i would talk to jordan all the time and we would just sit around and talk about stuff i mean you know mm-hmm. working but yeah. it's we would talk and then he would say like, oh, you got to send this stuff over. And then everything else was done in email. And you make me realize with these Ernst & Young people, I have had no phone call. They basically like I got kind of like the form letter of like, we're doing your taxes. Go fill out the questionnaire thing, um, you know, online, which is just like this is a thing that drives me crazy about hiring people to do your taxes is it's like you get all this shit. Why am I paying you when yeah. I've got to go get oh, all this shit? A- amen. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. do you want my login credentials? Whatever, I'm paying you. Yeah, go gather this stuff. It does not work like that. That is yeah, not the, you cannot get an accountant to do that. You have to have like another person in between. You have to have like astounding. an administrator do that. But these Ernst and Young people, no phone calls. It's all emails and stuff. And and I'm trying to figure out if it's better or not. Like, it's it's all right. It's uh, although although it's funny because you can tell like it's a big accounting firm and they've got like you know. They've got, there's no Jordan there who like, you know, knows me and I talk with them. They just like, they got people, you know, who are just kind of going through, maybe there's an event-based workflow where they're just like <laughs> eating those events. But like, you know, they, they send me these things and I'll be like, I've already got that. I, I don't need to fill this out again. You know, I have this thing and I don't know. So, well, I think, you know, there are rules of thumb, right? Something that's very short, transactional, like just give me the address. Like there are places clearly where a text or email is so much more efficient and it's like, or like, or I think, you know, the one I always think about is ordering food online. When I have to call in and place an order, I'm like, this is, I almost won't even do yeah, it. Yeah, like, it's yeah, so yeah. painful to like, what, what was it? Oh, did you want this? You want, you know, you're just like, you know, there's no really, but then there's other times, especially when we're working on like corporate strategy and things like that, where sometimes people will just send out the PowerPoint and you're like, or the written document and you're like, I don't know. One, this was took too long to read too. Like there's like a thousand questions from it. Like it didn't really do anything. It just made the situation worse, you know? So, so I think you have to always just be thinking to yourself, like, where are you in that workflow? So, and I think, you know, you are to your real estate example, like, you know, yourself, you know what you want. That's probably a place where like, it isn't that useful to you, but it's going to be useful to that person trying to help you buy something. Right. And then in the flip side, at some point in your life, maybe your taxes, you're like, I really wish I had someone to talk to because I have no idea what this questionnaire means. It's like, was this, uh, yeah, exactly. does this qualify for the farm subsidy of uh, 1912? And you're like, I don't even know how to answer this question. Or they use words. You're like, yeah, I don't even yeah, know what yeah. this revenue is. Yeah. Like, well, well, how there, do I there, do you know, my main question in filling out that taxing was basically like, uh, I don't understand what you're asking in this form. <laughs> right. And and then the other the other question I would often have is like, can I just give you this PDF and you figure it out? Yeah. Right. Like, like, which, which I, I was able to do with the other tax people frequently. They would just be like, yeah, whatever, just send us the thing and we'll sort it out, which is nice. And, and then finally, this is the third finally on that topic. Like, I, I think I've gotten a sense. So ever since I've had a tax accountant, I've always had like at least 
either I was paid out on a 1099 back when I was at Red Monk or I've always had like a, as they say, do people still say side hustle? I've always had a side job right. so I could file expenses for self-employment like we or whatever it is like we do here on the podcast. And like every year I always have a question about what can be expensed or not. And I very rarely have gotten an accountant to like give me an answer that isn't some like mealy mouth bullshit, right? <laughs> like, like you know, I always want to be like we we recommend stuff on the podcast every week. So can I expense every single book I buy, right? Like what what is? And then this the the way I always like to pose. I feel, this like, I feel like we got to say we're not accountants. This is like yeah, yeah, we yeah, know yeah, yeah. if we know little about stocks, we don't know anything about accounting. So. And 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 to be to be clear, I don't. Right. Like I, I don't do that. But right. the, 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 the extreme thought exercise I have, this is like, I feel like if you're a movie star, you probably expense all of your haircuts. Right. Like because you're so, you're yeah, you're like your business. Right. Your yeah. Right? Like if you had a shitty haircut, your business would be bad. Right. And so like it is an investment in your business. And so it's always like finding that line of like what 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 you do. And the best the best answer I got, I think it was Jordan who gave me this answer was I, I had bought a new laptop, and uh, he was like, uh, yeah, well, you can expense that, but what percentage of your time would you say you use that laptop for your podcast? And I was like, oh, I have no idea, right? Like, So that's the kind of discussion that I don't think I'm going to be having with the Ernst & Young people. No, no. I, don't, I don't think they will have any... I'm trying to find a non-shitty way of putting it, but I'm, I, I can't. I don't think they will have, and I mean this in a genuine way, I don't think they will have any imagination, right? Like there's no, there will never be like this flip the bit and be like, oh yeah, interesting question. Let me think about that, right? Like if it's not written down in some book somewhere, it's just like, it's going to be a, uh, as we would say, uh, you know, it's going to go to Dev Null. Yeah. Like but that's just, so. I think you're just at a point where like, you know, it's more understanding about what you're the customer of. It's like, that's a great firm because they can do business with a really large company like VMware and that's probably yeah. not going to result in like a close contact with you. Whereas there are plenty of accounts that just kind of work as sole proprietary that, you know, sounds like Jordan, your previous one, that, that that's how they work, right? They, they they don't sell big corporate deals so they can get more into, you know, if you will, working with you personally and figure this stuff out. So, so that sometimes it's just about that is like understanding who you've hired, right? Like if you're, if you're working with a huge enterprise, yeah, you're not going to get, you're not going to get the high touch experience, uh, but yeah. they probably will give you, Corporate taxes filed on time that are 100% compliant with you, your policies, your company policies, and that's probably what you really care about the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, do we have any bureaucracy to go over? I think we've um, probably done a lot of talking about bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, this is the, the bureaucracy. Now let's ex- <laughs> let fire off some events, Brandon. I will have to fire off some events. So, uh, well, you know, if, if we were firing off an event, I would send out an event to the community and it's been done in Slack, right? That says that uh, Michael from uh, CloudBees, he's looking for a remote DevOps consultant for continuous delivery. Hmm. I wonder if we know anyone on the show that can maybe do that. But anyway, but they have to be anywhere <laughs> in North America. He even said, I mean, he included Hawaii. So I don't know. I don't know if we have listeners in Hawaii. I don't know if that's what you want. But uh, if you're interested in that job, this is what you should do. You should join the Slack. You should just go in the jobs channel and you should probably just direct message Michael. And he'll tell you if it's a good job and like really what you have to do. Uh, and of course, if you want any stickers, all you need to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I'll be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. 
So there's a few conferences. There's DevOps Days Texas coming up on March 2nd. Now, March 2nd is a date that I know because on March 3rd, the rumor is that they're around here in the Netherlands. They're going to open up the hair cutters and the massage therapist. So you're gonna there's going to be new services open up. So oh, oh I've, nice. I've got March 3rd in March mind. March 3rd is that like a, is this something magic happened on that date? Is that like maybe uh, I don't know if it's formalized yet, but I think right. they're going to open up a few more. I think they called it like close close service firms. All right, you're I think just this, like a week away then. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, right. I think I think as they were quick to point out, as they say, the sex worker is still closed. Oh, so that's, okay. That's well, good to know. Open. Good to know. Yeah. Got it. So uh, so that's on March 2nd, the day before uh, you can get a massage again uh, in the Netherlands, hopefully in a haircut. And uh, also spring, spring 1 is coming up. I mean, coming up is the wrong word. It's uh, September 1st and 2nd, but the call for papers is open up. It closes April 9th, and uh, you should submit something there. Like I, I help select uh, in one of the tracks. All the sorts of stuff we talk about, event-based things, I'm sure would be uh, big, big to do there. Uh, things going on. Also, we've got two Spring One tours that are, you can find links to in the show notes, which is at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 287. We got a North American one March 10th and 11th. And then I'm helping. Oh, I have a to-do list to actually do some. Speaking of meetings and coming to a decisions, I need to uh, help put together the uh, the EMEA one we have, which is on April 28th uh, as well. Uh, so with that, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? All right. First, uh, we're going to make uh, our first ever, um, we're going to have like a book club, but it's probably just going to be the three of us talking about it. So Matt Ray has told us that we should all read this Amazon book. It's called Working Backwards, Insight, Stories, and Secrets from Inside Amazon. Matt Ray says, good. He said, we, we're all, we're going to all read it. And at some point we're going to talk about it. So there's your homework assignment. If you, uh, if you don't want us to spoil how it ends, you know, cause it'd be like one of those books that you just, you don't know. Does Amazon, is it successful? Is it not? You don't really know right now. So uh, read the book and uh, you can follow along in a future discussion. So check that one out. And then for my recommendation this week, I watched uh, I Care A Lot is the name of the movie on Netflix. It's pretty dark, but I thought it was really good. I just thought it was, and um, I don't think you need a lot of uh, explanations. It's just basically about a person that uh, maybe takes advantage happens but uh and it has it stars the woman from gone girl so if you like that movie and if you like that actress you'll probably like i care a lot so check it out on netflix all right i have two recommendations i i don't know if i've i know i've given one of them i forget if i've recommended the other so first of all you know i finally hit that 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 layer where that layer that level where i leveled off about 10 pounds more than i want away so i started using uh lose it again and now it's just a calorie counting thing or whatever. But it's a good app. It's been around forever. And, uh, you know, I know the MyFitnessPal, and they all have the same stuff. But if you want one of those apps where you can scan things and keep track of stuff, it's, it's, uh, it's good at that. Also, our friend Chip Holden, he still has it set up to his scale and exercise. So I can go to the, ex- the activity stream and see what his, you know, his ups and downs when he does exercise. It's kind of fun. You know, you're, you're in there from long ago, but I don't think you... Uh, I've, I don't know. I got to get back on it. It's just, I don't know. I have such a hard time. Like I get on it and then I, I stop, Kote. It's, just, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's it's hard to ramp. You know, the first couple of years I was here as a hardcore user and then and then uh, around this year, I was just like, ah, I'm done with this. And sure enough, you lose track. Now, the other book, uh, the other thing is a book that I started reading called, uh, did I recommend this already? The Gollum and the Genie? I don't think I did. 
And uh, it's good. I think I finally, I finally, after a, se- a couple of months, found a book that's that's interesting to read. I started reading this this one book series, like A Crown of Thorns or something. That's probably not what it's called because that's some Jesus reference. But I started reading this one book, and then I, I mistakenly went to go read some reviews, and I found out it was uh, a young adult book uh, about something. And I was like, that explains why everyone talks about the, how tight their pants are and that they can, they can like see the musculature. And then I was like, oh, my God. It even has the classic setup of one uh, girl who like you know goes, into, goes through the hero's journey, and for some reason there's two hunky men and it's always the three of them together and uh there's some sort of mystical thing and and i just like oh it was it was interesting but then i realized i was getting sucked into some sort of multi-violent volume twilight you know rip off but with elves <laughs> and uh which is fine or fairies as they call them but fairies spelled f-a-e-r-i-e of course uh but the golem and the genie i think i don't think there's any tight pants in it so I think you're going to be cool. We're, my, we're reading this book, the Aurora series, to my daughter. And boy, there's this one character, and all she does is point talk about the tight pants other characters are wearing. It's crazy. And there was a whole, there was a whole section, uh, there was a whole chapter where she's complaining about, uh, you know, her physical characteristics being more of a liability than an asset. And it's just uh, you got to do a lot of editing when mm. you're reading that. To okay, a interesting. It's 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 very odd. What, what the kids are reading. Why don't they just read The Lord of the Rings? That's <laughs> Anyhow, as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 287. You should join our Slack channel, all sorts of other stuff. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. And I, I came across this and I was like, did we, is there like some fee we were paying to a dentist and they finally realized and refunded it to us? Like, where did this refund come? And then... And then later on in the day, I was like, ah, oh, yes, I was told about this. I remember. I remember.